Welcome to Moot, the podcast where mistakes are guaranteed and our point is Moot. I am Jeremy and I am with Joe. Hello. And today we are talking about Saladin and the Ottoman Empire and just ancient, well, medieval stuff. I guess not ancient history. But uh, yeah, so Joe, why don't you uh, kick us off here? Because you had mentioned that he was one of your favorite guys in history and I want to know why. Oh yeah, Saladin was one of my favorite guys in history. I, when I was a kid, I saw something on National Geographic or Discovery or History Channel before the aliens. It was something uh, about him, like a documentary, and I just thought he was the coolest guy ever. So, like when I eventually played Civilization, I was excited to know I could play as him. Um, and so, essentially, Saladin was like, uh, God. I gotta do this out of memory, but he was basically the sultan of Egypt, Syria, Yemen, Palestine, and I think I, I don't know. He was he was this he was the sultan of many like modern day countries, right? Yeah. Uh, he was he was he was a big dude. He was really important, and he was like the founder of the uh, I'm like butcher pronunciation here, like the the Ayyubid dynasty. Ayubid, Ayubid, something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, the thing that was so cool about him was that he was like, when he was young, he was just like a chill kid, right? He, he was not that interested in uh, the military training and the warfare that, you know, like his brothers and all of like this, yeah, all the young guys at his age would be into, right? Instead, he was really deep in religious studies. Like yeah. he, he, was, he was a total nerd when he was growing up. Um, there was there was a sheik that he he really liked. Um, there was like a family scholar or something, Abdul Jalani. Yeah, and he he spent a lot of time with this guy, and and he was one of like it, he was just like really interested in school and like you said the religious aspect of you know things like spirituality, and he didn't really care for what the rest of his family was up to. He just kind of latched onto this guy and learned from him much as he could yeah it was like that little god like that little kid who finds god you know yeah <laughs> like well, the I one mean, who like does the cookies at the bus stop and everything you know it was like yeah. hey would you like to talk about uh muhammad you know <laughs> well i think but it'd be was... nice to find a mentor that early in life you know like to to have someone kind of take you under your wing and show you like this is this is what for yeah god i mean i i i'd love that though that, that, i mean what what a great way to have a childhood like every every like coming of age movie is kind of like that too Kind so of, it's yeah. Definitely a thing. It's definitely a thing we crave, if nothing else. I think, like, uh, I always think about like Moneyball because Jonah, what's his name, Jonah Hill. His <laughs> Jonah Hill. Is it Jonah, Jonah, Jonah Hill? What's, what the hell is his name? Jonah, the guy from Superbad. Oh, Superbad. He's gonna drive me nuts. Yeah, it's Jonah uh, Hill. Yeah, Jonah Hill. That's that's the fat guy with the curls. Yeah, in in Moneyball, he has he has a mentor in that movie. I mean, he he's the one that comes in with the system that he that he puts in place, but he has a mentor. Oh, I never seen Moneyball. Is any good? I liked it. Oh, well, that's as good a review as I'm gonna get. Listen, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not like a huge sports guy. I just thought it was an interesting movie, and it was like, well, oh, it's a sports movie. Yeah, it, it, it's it's Jonah Hill plays a character who figures out. Um, he kind of revolutionized uh, sports, baseball, uh, and then it, then it kind of bled to other other professional sports. 
But what he did was he looked at, instead of walking into a room with a bunch of guys and trying to pick the best players, he put together a system because the best players are very, very expensive. And if you throw Mm -hmm. your entire budget at those best players, um, you, you, you're going to wind up with like one or two, you know, power players. And then everybody else has to kind of pick up the slack. And what he, what he said was, well, why don't we go after a whole bunch of lower tier guys with better averages, like a better, so we bring this, the, the average performance of the entire team up. And that way we can use, we can spread our budget across a whole bunch of like B listers instead of like the best of the best. And their, their team wound up crushing it that year. And so then they kept doing it. And so that, that's kind of how, so the, the nature of picking people changed from being like, a, like an old boys club sitting around smoking cigars and saying, I like John, you know, they, they just started. Oh, that sounds clever though. That's like when you play Pokemon and you decide to uh, train all the Pokemon in your party instead of just the starter. <laughs> which is a ridiculous strategy i always just have my venusaur stomp all over everything yeah of course you of course you're a venusaur guy you've got to be so fucking special don't you well no you know what he's he's got he's got the poison and the sleep i like i like putting the pokemon i like putting the enemy to sleep and poisoning them and leech seeding them and then like slowly draining them over the course of the battle while i sit there that sounds like what you would do exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, you know what? It makes perfect sense that you go for Venusaur. <laughs> oh. I love playing Pokemon. I think they're great. It's a fantastic fucking game. And the whole franchise is just gold. <laughs> uh, but that has little to do with Saladin. No, it, um, it really does. It, it, it really doesn't. And and yeah. I don't think my mentor example was very good either. There's so many better. I thought things. it was good. I thought it was good. But that's because I didn't have any of my own. I can, I can, I can, I can, I'm envisioning a lot of mentor relationships in my head from like disney movies or cartoons in general yeah but i can't for the life of me point one out i i participated in a mentor program right before uh, back when i was a working as a chemist i yeah my workplace had put together a mentor program and like three months before i left i got one and it was really nice because you know i would come in early you know, I, I always got there much earlier than everybody else because um, we had flex time. So you could show up as early. So I'd show up at like 630 in the morning so I could go home earlier so I could beat traffic. Um, but That's I would show up early and, you know, he, Joe, his name was, uh, his name was also Joe, I think. Yeah, his name was also Joe. And he would also be there really early. So we just talk and he'd tell me about the industry and he'd tell me like, I would ask him about projects and he'd help me out. And then I'd ask like, you know, if something weird, like departmentally, like like if there was a political thing between two departments, like I was trying to like re- get a piece of equipment on a different floor that another department used and there was like some problem with it. He'd be like, Oh, well, you know what? That's just Frank, you know, do this and this and you can, you'll, you'll, you know, <laughs> that's so, just Frank. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was really nice. Like we, it was nice to have some sort of like guidance. And I think it, that type of thing has a lot, a lot of long-term benefit for a career, but I imagine as a life mentor, especially so early, it would be really nice. Yeah. So I'm, I'm envious of him for, for that. Yeah, I wish I was uh, Saladin and Joe. I mean, I am Joe, but not the right Joe. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Saladin, he 
moved like to Aleppo when he was young with his dad and the, like obviously uh, the rest of his family. Mm-hmm. And like uh, he had an uncle there that was like an important military commander, dude. Uh, like Shirk or Shirku or he had he had he had he had a name. Um, <laughs> and uh, Saladin was just like he was completely like undistinguished. He wasn't that special as he was growing up. So he was just kind of like given like, you know, those roles. Uh, but he had, as he grew up, his talents became more and more visible. And at some point in like this three-way battle or conflict, at least with his uncle and uh, uh, some guy, uh, God, you can tell that I'm doing this out of memory. Um, yeah. There was a th- three-way battle between some big shots uh, uh, around somewhere in the Middle East. And uh, the uncle was assassinated, uh, left the power vacuum in his faction. And because of like uh, Saladin's family, they were like really like uh, big on the nepotism, like because they were Kurdish. Yeah. Um, and so Saladin became the commander of his troops, even though he wasn't proven or tested. Right. Yeah. But he was extremely successful both on and off the battlefield because you know he had a fucking silver tongue and he, he was you know knowledgeable as hell and he was a strategic mastermind so uh, him being in charge of that like faction of soldiers uh, just eventually led to him becoming the vizier of Egypt which is like uh, when you were the vizier of Egypt back then that was you you were granted a title of king essentially even though you are vizier you're, you're still a king yeah, so, so he was, you know, he was a, he was a really religious. The caliph, so yeah, at that point there was a caliphate that that ran huge swaths of the Middle East there, and like Egypt and, and Iran and modern day whatever Iraq, yeah. um, and the caliph apparently Al-Adid made him vizier, which made him which put him in charge of like that area, and yeah, he apparently he apparently elevated. Uh, Saladin, because even though he was effective, like he he had won that battle, and I, I'm looking this up because I, I don't know any of this stuff either. That was the Battle of Al Babin. I should guess um, too, actually. And that was against Crusaders too, apparently. Yeah, I mean, he was dealing with Crusaders a lot because they had been there for ages, right? Like yeah. The 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 Franks, which uh, were basically like. Uh, Germanic-speaking proto-French people. They're like the French people before France was a thing. Yeah, um, They uh, were like the major crusader faction in uh, Jerusalem, in the Holy Lands. And they had held it for like almost 90 years, oh which was, God. you know, it's a, it's a long time for to occupy a place, right? Sure, yeah. And uh, uh, like when they, they had moved in to the Holy City and taken it, they had like slaughtered all the Muslims there, they were, they, they had been completely merciless. Yeah. Uh, right and uh, and so like, yeah. obviously that's not a good way to start an occupation. Right. <laughs> so uh, the people hated them, but they, what can you do? Right. Like the crusaders back then, they, they were big shots. Like they had, they had the best equipment money could possibly buy. I even heard that they invented the, the credit card. So that, uh, that was that was actually okay. So there's yeah, there's a couple. I, I, actually, yeah, yeah. They, they invented like uh, credit that you can pay with credit. So they had their banks. Like that's how they get so much money. 
you're describing but, the Knights Templar, but the Crusaders as a whole were not. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah of course, of course. Um, yeah, the, the, Knight, the Knights Templar were a big part of it. The Crusader, the Crusaders were like just a wider faction. Like, the Crusader, the Crusaders, the Pope would go, "Hey guys, send some people down on a crusade," and they would send like farmers. Oh yeah, any guy with a any guy with a hat and a and a spear would be on his way. Yeah, um, but the, the, the Templars set up like uh, way stations. They set up a bank and they set up supply lines so they could they could fund the crusade. So that so that way the Pope and the kings and the lords were just responsible for just sending manpower like over it. Yeah. <laughs> so the Templars, in anyway, they were you know they were they were in charge of that whole thing, and they they had they had this thing they did uh, with horses where they formed like a wedge formation. Yeah. That's essentially what Bretonia does. They would, say, ram, they would ram the middle of like <laughs> lines of people, and then they would split their forces into two, and then their you know rabble of crusaders with spears and shit would eventually like they, they would just o- overwhelm to the two smaller forces. Then right, yeah, and that was like their go-to tactic, which had worked brilliantly for them. And they you know they had all the money in the world. Uh, fun fact. The Crusaders bank thing is literally how they got wiped out because uh, the king of France, I think, at some point after the Crusades owed so much money to them that he declared them heretics and had them all killed. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he did. And he actually asked the Pope at the time for permission to do it. <laughs> he, did the Pope give? I mean, the Pope must have. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's like, yeah, that's fine. Because uh, I feel I feel like that's, that's kind of like a... It's, it's like... A fitting ending, almost <laughs> for those people. Like, I mean, they they deserved. So they deserved. I mean, they were committing atrocities against the middle, the people that lived in the Middle East. So I don't. I mean, there's you know anyone at that time were committing atrocities left and right. Um, but yeah. they 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 were they were so they were so untouchable for so long, you know, yeah. due to their money. And it's just so fucking beautiful that it was their money that eventually brought them down. I mean, it kind of is. I, I mean, the, the king of France should have got his comeuppance for that too. I mean, he should have still. Yeah, I mean that 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 is one hell of a way to just like uh, skip out on the bill, <laughs> <laughs> just slaughter the waiter on your way out. Bankers wouldn't survive very long in America if that was the case, you know. No, no. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe maybe we should learn something from the king of France. No, no, no. <laughs> we're not advocating the murder of bankers. I'm no, gonna, no. So if, you know, if you're going to go out and do it, you you know like that that's not on us. If there's any FBI agents yeah, listening to this, enjoy the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you're, <laughs> we still know that you're people, even if you have a suit. Uh, okay, so. So, anyway, so, so Saladin wins this big battle, the, the Battle of Al Babin. I'm going to say Babin because I don't yeah. know how to pronounce that. And then he is made vizier by the the Egypt the, 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 the caliphate. The caliph makes him vizier. Yeah. Um, and and I know that it, one of the first things he did when he was made when he was made the vizier was he rooted out Egyptian traitors. He just found anyone who might oppose his rule and just executed them. Um, I mean, I imagine consolidating power during the medieval period, any medieval period, would be very challenging. So I don't, you know, blame him for. <laughs> well, I do blame him for just wiping out people. I mean, you always blame people for that, but it wasn't. Right. It wasn't like it wasn't specifically cruel. Like well, they would do that all the time. Like in all, whenever there was a new king, 
like in modern times we we usually like to think of the king as this like godlike being that had complete control and like the king would uh, be completely questioned and he would have complete power over all his subjects but sure. that was not really the case that was not really the case most of the power lay with the nobles and whoever he had to keep happy to keep his position and also just the villages right like that many people back then and there were, that weapons weren't as advanced as they are today so if like a fucking hamlet rises up against their lord you know that they are still outnumber him and his guards and yeah. regardless of what we learn from rpgs you only need like three fucking toothless peasants to kill a knight no matter how good his equipment is <laughs> depending on how clever those peasants are well yeah i mean if they, <laughs> use, they use their hands and he has a spear it's a different situation right but <laughs> It's like, uh, as long as they have any kind of fucking farming tool, they are lethal. And right. they, they will outnumber anything, because that's, that's kind of their thing. Well, and, and he, the vizier, when, when he put down all these, uh, you know, traitors, or, or just, some of them weren't even traitors, some of them were just people who he didn't trust, but a yeah. lot of them were people that Al-Adid had installed to sort of kind of keep an eye on things. But, you know, obviously loyalties are, are kind of fluid. And some of these people that, that the, the Caliph had installed were, you know, they're, they had opposite religions or they were uh, involved in like shady corruption type stuff. And uh, Saladin is like, nah, he just, he just cleared the board and <laughs> cleared the slate and reinstalled those positions with other people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, he 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 uh, he uh, he he did the whole thing like drain the swamp, but he did it like properly. <laughs> right, he actually drained the swamp, <laughs> and 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 that ended the Fatimid dynasty because uh, that was the, the that that caliph was the last ruler of the the Fatimids. Yeah, and that's when yeah. he created that Ayyubid or whatever. So I once Saladin got the power, essentially, right? He wanted to retake Jerusalem. And Saladin, he was a man who was obsessed with the idea of jihad. Like, that was like every action he did in his life was like devoted to the concept of uh, a holy war and, um, and uh, like uh, bringing glory to his religion, like edifying it. Yeah. So he, he, was, he, was, uh, he was a very religious man, right? Well, considering he Jerusalem was like extremely important, like symbolically. Mm. I mean, yeah, yeah. So he had to retake it from, you know, the, the fucking aliens invading. <laughs> and uh, there was like a massive siege against the city where he managed to uh, like, he managed to force the inhabitants to like uh, surrender. And um, Oh, you can tell I'm a little hungover. Yeah, he managed to uh, force them to surrender, and his original plan was to wipe them all out uh, as um, an act of vengeance for what the Christians had done to the Muslims uh, when they first took the city like 90 years ago. But after negotiations, he uh, decided to let them pay their way out uh, and he was really magnanimous in victory. So he would be like, yeah, he would let them pay uh, for their lives. And then he escorted them safely out of the Holy Lands so that the, they wouldn't be molested by anyone, like not even like people on the way. Yeah, uh, he, he and, even uh, let them come back to pray in Jerusalem. 
if he did he did he was he was uh, like he was uh, even like the people who he had kicked out of Jerusalem even had like a begrudging respect uh, for him because of that because he was uh, he was uh, like truly like a, a kind and noble man yeah. right uh, and uh, it probably had a lot to do with like his like religious upbringing at the time too right because um, he was yeah he was he was very much a big part of that well um, and not only that some of the Franks that were there because because they when they set up this agreement they're like okay we're gonna say you know like 10 gold pieces for a man one for a child I don't remember what the thing was mm-hmm. but he they, they set up this agreement and and Saladin let a whole bunch of people go for free who couldn't afford the ransom I mean he, he did keep yeah. some in slavery that they couldn't pay but he let scores of yeah, people as he, as go. He yeah, as you do. <laughs> yeah, but by the standards of the time, he was like it was unprecedented how 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 kind and merciful he was. His treasurers were pissed at him when he did. Oh, that. they they hated him, and 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 like the, the, they would be more pissed at him towards the end of his life, uh, because Saladin, right? Uh, after he had taken Jerusalem back, uh, the West Europe were in shock that this could happen. They were in, incensed. So the Pope declared, oh, "God, let uh, this happen." <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So it was a th- there was a third crusade then started, uh, led by the 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 military genius Richard the First. Right, he was known as Richard the Lionheart. That's yeah, the he's the dude. From, uh, he's the Robin Hood guy that leaves. Yeah, I was going to say that he's the guy from Robin Hood. That's like he's not the nasty king. He's the king that's away. Yeah, his well, his brother John, Prince John was the was the jerk. Yeah, um, but. Uh, even though Richard had like he had more resources than Saladin at this point, because during the siege Saladin was on equal footing, he had, with 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 the the Christians, right? He had uh, banded together a bunch of factions and formed like a strong united front. But time had gone, and most of Saladin's forces were like unwilling levies. You know, they were they were exhausted. And they were only used to fighting a certain season of the year, as they used to do back in the day. Right? Yeah. You, you levy them for like uh, two months in the summer and use them for war, and then they would go back to their farms. Right. So they were they were long all over their uh, allotted time. So they, they were they didn't even owe him this time, right? They, it was just out of loyalty at this point, and and, and some threats. So in a lot. But yeah, so he basically he had a lot of exhausted. Uh, reduced people who just weren't up for fighting anymore, and they had taken losses and everything. And here, the fucking Lionheart is coming with like fresh troops from Europe, right? And they were all red. I don't remember the name of the coast, like Levantine or something. Levantine. It was it was a coastline that the Crusaders had managed to keep because they had one fort there that was just impregnable. Okay. Uh, and so they were trying to launch the Third Crusade from that. Uh, and even though Richard I is known as a military genius, it was just, it just, like, Saladin was just such a fucking madman when it comes to just brilliant tactics that he managed to have these tattered remains of his army draw out. Because, you know, obviously, Richard and his gang was pissed about the loss of Jerusalem, right? Yeah. So they were easily provoked. And so Saladin just managed to use what little left he had to drag those people into the forest, like into the forest, into the deserts and have them chase them basically. 
in small engagements here and there to lure them out uh, because the the Europeans, especially the ones who hadn't been there for many years, they're fresh Europeans, not accustomed to the climate. They were wearing clothes and armor that was not, it did not work well in like the, the Holy Land. So they were all boilingly hot and they didn't know the area. They, they didn't know where to find oases or anywhere to find water. So Saladin would drag them out as long as he could, constantly taunting them and having little skirmishes with them to keep them going after him into the deserts. His people, and they would get refreshed from you know whatever resources they found there. But the Crusaders, uh, they they were just dropping like flies to like. Dis- well, they did this for days. They did this for like three, three or four days, where they're just yeah. They they were just they were just falling like flies out there. And when they were like, they, they had nothing left. They were not a standing army. They were just rabble rotting in the desert. Then Saladin would fight the actual battle and he devastated them. Yeah. And the Crusaders would never again take more of the Holy Land than that particular coastline they held. But they, they would hold that forever, basically. Uh, and Saladin, the thing that I think was so beautiful about his story is that like, after he had saved the Holy Lands, right? He 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 died. Like the the battles and all the stress, they had taken its toll on him. So he didn't live for long after, but he did live to see full success, right? Yeah. And the thing that makes him just like that really adds to how magnanimous this man was. Like he was just what a beautiful fucking guy this was. He was filthy rich, but he left all of his money to the poorest of his people. He didn't even live in. He didn't leave anything for his children. Like he literally didn't have enough to pay for his own grave. His Are grave was donated to him by the people he had given his money to. That's insane. So he couldn't. He couldn't like. He could uh, not even afford his own thing to his kids. He gave it all to the poor. <laughs> Every single gold coin they say. That's insane. I know. Like what a guy. And so, like in Turkey, there's still a statue of him. Uh, which is a little sad because the Turks don't recognize that he was a Kurd because the Turks they they hate the Kurdish. Yeah, right? so well, that's yeah, they, actually, they pretend the Kurds are. Yeah, so like Saladin is one of the greatest heroes of the Kurdish, right? Like one of the greatest heroes of the Islamic world in general. Um, but he like his Kurdish heritage isn't recognized by uh, by the Turks essentially, and you know they have a big statue. That's a that is a generous generous man. That's oh yeah, I mean, it's, what what a guy, right? Wonder wonder if his heirs had a, had something to say about that. <laughs> yeah, his heirs probably wouldn't be call. happy, and I imagine that his tax dudes were even less happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about me, sir? I've been counting <laughs> coins for you for decades. <laughs> I'm gonna take mm. a I'm gonna take a moment here to do do our ad for today. Mm-hmm. Let's see All what right. we're selling today. <laughs> what are, are we you, peddling we we are peddling well we'll get there in a second because we have to read the ad copy exactly as it's given to, to us by our advertisers oh yeah oh yeah like we we're not responsible for any n-words or anything in that that's not that's not us well jeremy we, didn't write that well, I mean, he, 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 he gets paid so he, he has to read it we should we should say if an advertiser sent us copy with the n-word in it we just wouldn't take on that advertiser we would take your money, but we might not read the we'll take, we'll take their money, I suppose. Yeah. We can donate it to the NAACP or something. 
Yeah, it seems like the right call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta stick it to them. Like this is what we think of your. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't read your ad, and the money went there. You happy? <laughs> yeah. Screw you guys. <laughs> and then Kanye is just furious. Okay. <laughs> then Kanye. I'll let you read that. No, I'll let you read that. Are you struggling to find a good gift to get for your mom for Mother's Day? Introducing the Mom Luke Sword, the finest, most versatile blade a mother could have. Made of curved, hardened steel, the Mom Luke can serve as a brilliant ornamental piece, a great carving knife for your Thanksgiving turkey, or even as a letter opener. Ranging in size from 26 inches up to 3 feet long, 66 to 91 centimeters for you non American heathens, the Mom Luke will carve your way to your mother's heart with its pink and purple sequined hilt. Buy the Mom Luke today and save 3% on our matching shields, which double as ironing boards. <laughs> oh, the Mom Luke. The Mom Luke. Is, it's an unconventional gift, but I love it. I, it always drives me nuts when Mother's Day comes around and you like go to the store. It'll be like in you know Lowe's or Home Depot or something, which is our like hardware chain couple of hardware chains we have and you're walking around and there's like a bright pink toolkit and it's like buy your mom a gift for mother's day it's like could i just buy a regular hammer it's like does it have to look like this yeah <laughs> it's so ridiculous oh the mom look the mom look i'd buy a mom look oh hell yeah yeah i'd love that <laughs> i mean i i don't really have thanksgiving turkeys but i mean i do need an ironing board <laughs> Three percent. Maybe I'll just get the like shield for now and then upgrade to the sword later. <laughs> I think to get the deal though, you have to buy them together. Ah, that's true. That's true. You can't get the you can't get the extras if you don't buy the main product. <laughs> that that's where they get you. <laughs> those those bastards. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to talk about another guy. I was we we're actually supposed to talk about like the Ottoman Empire and stuff, but uh, but I. Because I I just wanted to talk about old like Islamic uh, cultures, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I don't. I, I mean, you you could. We we discussed it earlier. You you could basically talk about the new Arabia as well, right? But I don't really want to talk about Saudi Arabia because I feel like there's a lot of political stuff there, and I'm kind of tired of the politics. <laughs> Me too. Uh, Before we move but, on, can uh, I can I say a couple of, like facts I learned about Richard the First? prepping for this oh yeah yeah hell yeah we're, uh, yeah we're still on Saladin. yeah because before before we go on because richard the first their interactions were extremely interesting um because yeah. before he came into jerusalem the fact the very fact so let me back up when richard the first came south he, he kind of knew what he was dealing with and he knew that saladin wasn't going to be a pushover so he was very careful which is how conservative he was and methodical with his approach makes the fact that Saladin was able to draw him out all the more impressive. Uh, yeah. When he went down to Jaffa, because Jaffa was the fort that he wound up, they, that, that, that big battle at the end was, was at Jaffa. Um, as he was going down, like across the coastal plain, he was taking forts and castles and rebuilding them to like make a wall of fortifications. And so that way he could kind of zone. So Saladin like charged him head on he could have like three forts, their garrisons kind of collapse in, you know, yeah. depending on where he went. And when he showed up, they, they started trying to negotiate a truce. Richard had the sister, uh, her name was Joan. And he's like, hey, why don't, why doesn't my sister marry your brother? 
and then Jerusalem could be their wedding gift and we could share it. And that way it could be like a holy city that, you know, the Christians and the Muslims can, you know, kind of share. And it may have worked out, except for Richard said that the only way it would work is if Saladin's brother became a Christian. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work so well. No, like that defeats the whole purpose. Like the whole point, like Richard thought he was like pulling one over his eyes, like, oh, you know what? Well, why don't you guys like Muslims and Christians can live together? Oh, but by the way, your brother can't be Christian anymore. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's like, uh, it's like, okay, let's, let's compromise. I give you that and, and, and uh, then you give it back. And then you give me that other thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the whole point, like these, these, these holy wars, the, you know, the, the, the crusades and the jihad, like those, the whole, the whole point of the holy war was that, that they're fighting over religious control of the city. <laughs> and obviously that truth wasn't going to work out. But I thought that was yeah. hilarious and kind of cheeky of him. Yeah. Uh, I did not know about that truce. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew i knew i knew richard was a, a military genius i did not know he was such a <laughs> such a seasoned diplomat <laughs> fucking tool uh, <laughs> and to show what, armies. What, a, what a good guy saladin was when richard got wounded his horse was shot out from under him and he got wounded i don't know if he's were in the same battle but allegedly saladin sent him new horses to pick from so he could have a new horse and he sent his own personal doctor to treat richard's wounds so that way if he won it wasn't because of like some quirk yeah yeah i mean he was honorable as you can get yeah. although i mean from having watched the first season of game of thrones i wouldn't trust someone else's doctor <laughs> <laughs> yeah drogo learned that the hard way actually drogo didn't learn that he already kind of knew that but you know yeah boy was in love have you have you read have you read the books? I have not, but I've heard that I should. You 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 should. It's it's impressive, and and you can you can tell in the show where the 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 season stopped following the books because the dialogue quality plummets. Not just the plot itself; like the, the, it starts to feel sort of trivial and, and, and i'm a little dumb and, though in that way like i people were saying that game of thrones were sucking around season six and i was like ah, oh, this looks this seems fine to me like <laughs> it wasn't as good but I, I i never thought it really sucked until i saw season eight and then i was like oh my god i couldn't finish the first episode <laughs> and I, I literally couldn't i have not watched the last season and not because i'm some hipster like fighting the urge to doing so i just lost complete interest in it yeah uh, because it's like when Tyrion is sitting in that little wagon with uh, Varys, right? Yeah. And he's just being like rude or something. And Varys is like uh, something about why are you so rude? And he's like, because I've got balls. And it's like that's such a bad comeback. I mean, obviously, I'm not, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not quoting it right there, but it was essentially that. And it was just, it was just so bad. It was just so bad. It did not feel like Tyrion. It felt like some twelve-year-old child. Well, that's what oh. I mean. Is 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 the 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 because Tyrion, his wit is like in Clash of Kings, the second book. It's it's basically just every Tyrion chapter is solid gold because he gets he's the hand of the king during that during the second book, and 
the stuff he does and in, in like his his dialogue and his actions are so awesome and then you get past you know the point where the, the show is based on the books and it just goes to hell like that like it's oh it's depressing that's how i feel a lot about a lot of the characters and, and it might be because i read the books through a couple a few times and so by the time i, I went to watch the show like the show was pretty good um but but even the parts that i liked about the show when they were based on my favorite parts of the books i didn't like them as much so like when um uh what's his face fights the the Clegane, um the viper the red viper um yeah 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 when uh, uh oberon versus uh gregor yeah so he, he's fighting him and you know the the, the he raped her he, he killed her he murdered her family he murdered, yeah. her, he murdered her children he raped her he killed her it, in the mm. book that chapter gave me chills like i remember sitting there reading and i was like oh my god and then i got to the end and it and it, it when he when he jams his fingers in his eyes, it says that the Tyrion just throws up, like he just looks over and vomits because he knows well he's screwed, and like that whole part, like the the whole chapter from the beginning to the end, I just felt hollowed out on the inside, <laughs> emotionally devastated. Oh, okay, I, I need to read this. I need to read this myself. It's so good. It sounds so good. <laughs> it's 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 amazing. Um, anyway, I. I getting off topic here but oh yeah yeah we are but you know game of thrones Ooh, is great. i want to tell you i want to tell you one thing though before we go <laughs> okay one thing we, one we thing started we started game of holding up a finger my theory is that Tyrion is like one of the ultimate bad guys of the books yeah yeah um because there there are I went through and marked in all the books. I mean, we, we could sit down and do this on the podcast sometime if we want, but I went through and marked through the books, different instances where Martin is hinting at it throughout the series. Um, you know, like uh, Kevin is talking to his aunt, Kevin Lannister. He's talking to his aunt or something um, or one of the family members. Who the hell are Kevin and Martin? George R. R. Martin, the guy who wrote the book. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> Kev- I was. I thought there were characters in the show, oh. Kevin and Martin. I was like, that's odd. I don't remember if Kevin Lannister is in the show, but it's spelled K E V A N, without the A. Oh, okay, okay. So the, the way he mixes up the names and all that. But, yeah. um, she she was she was talking about like the various kids, and and she says something like, you know, Tyrion is the real, uh. Tyrion is exactly like Tywin like he is Tywin Lannister he's got like the all of it and there's like a lot of little little eggs through the series where where Tyrion is 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 like the the genius but a vindictive very angry disaffected person and by the time he kills his father the disaffection for like the loyalty to his, his country is gone. Like he doesn't start the books with a lot of loyalty to the Lannister house. And he's no, he's, but he has some, he has some, he's still a Lannister and he still, he still thinks well of Jamie at least. Uh, he doesn't yeah. trust Cersei or his dad, but he, he still considers himself a Lannister, even if his dad doesn't consider him. A Lannister. But, but as time goes on, he gets angrier and more hateful too. And I've always thought that if Martin would finish the last two books, that, that, that Tyrion would wind up being a major villain by the end. That'd be really cool. Yeah. I'm, I think worried, be... that, I'm worried that Martin's going to die now. There, there's a Facebook group called Right Fat Man Right. It's got, it's got, what? 
Yeah, it's got like tens of thousands of people in it. Last I checked years ago, I haven't seen it. I, I don't get on Facebook much anymore, but. <laughs> the... <laughs> Allegedly, winds of winter I, I, sometime I, out this decade. <laughs> I didn't hear. I, I didn't hear the word right. By the way, I heard a different word. Oh, what did you hear? <laughs> I'd rather not say. Okay. Okay, that's fair. Mm. <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll, right, fat man. Right. Okay. We won't. We won't press that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor. Poor Martin. Uh, okay. So back to this story thing. So Saladin <laughs> is wonderful. Uh, he's interesting, and there's another guy who's kind of similar to him, but in a darker way. Right. So Saladin, he was like a, a staunch protector of his like people and his faith, right? Mm-hmm. And Vlad the Impaler, like Dracula, <laughs> he was kind of the same thing. He was, uh, although in a much darker way. <laughs> I was gonna say you said kind of darker the first time. I think. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I did. <laughs> uh, I gotta. I gotta practice my public speaking. Uh, no so, it was perfect that delivery was exactly how it should have been thank you <laughs> you're welcome so uh, basically vlad uh was uh a proper bible boy he was a real bible boy and back in the day uh, the ottoman empire was uh one of the major factions of the world uh, it also was uh, the pope considered them a threat to europe because they wanted to uh, convert Europe to Islam, right? As you do. Uh, Pope obviously wasn't cool with this. He thought any attack on a European nation was an attack on Christendom and thereby an attack on him, right? Mm. Uh, But most of the Europeans, they didn't really want a war with the Ottomans because the Ottomans, they were a big boy country, right? And they were like, this is senseless over something as silly as religion. Which you, you I mean you would have thought people were super religiously lunatics back in the day. Most people weren't. You have a few kings who were, and most of the people did not really care that much. They just paid their tithes to the pope, right? And you know, fake it till you make it. Sure. But Vlad, he was a he was he was a proper fan. Um, so Vlad's dad was, he was the guy called Vlad Dracul, right? He was Dracul, which basically meant meant dragon, in. Uh, in uh, old Romanian, because uh, is that what when, I mean? That's what Dracula is based on. Yeah, basically. So Dracula uh, is uh, like Romanian for son of Dracul. The the a is a suffix, right? Oh, and that's cool. So Vlad the Impaler is Dracula. Well, Vlad this he's Vlad the Third, right? But Vlad the Second, his father was Dracul. Who was uh, that? That's a title he gained after joining the Order of the Dragon, which was essentially a Crusader club, right? <laughs> okay, um, fair enough. Yeah. So Vlad uh, was on—he uh, was a hyper Christian dude, and he was kind of a savage. Uh, and he went went on a diplomatic mission to to uh, the Ottomans uh, with the Sultan Mehmed II, right? Okay. Uh, but the sultan tricked him and uh, seized him. Uh, uh, and uh, Vlad had brought his kids, uh, Vlad Jr. and Radu, uh, so that he could teach them about diplomacy and stuff like that, right? It was like a, to him, it was bringing the kids along was kind of like a learning exercise. Sure. Uh, 
it was not a good learning exercise because you know the sultan betrayed him and seized them and said that okay i will let you go i'm going to keep your kids uh and uh that'll be my my insurance that in our coming wars and so on you know you will behave right so they would still have wars but he would let vlad dracul go as long as he would you know behave like a proper fucking person in the war um and uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, the Sultan uh, kept uh, Vlad Jr. and Radu, and uh, they were, you know, educated by the fucking finest teachers in science, philosophy, and the art of war. They were also like, at least Vlad was beaten and tortured by the Ottomans too, you know, because every now and then, you know, bad shit happens on the battlefield, and they take it out on the kid of the uh, guy who did it. Oh, harsh. So cool. Yeah, I know. I know people that are into that. Yeah, yeah, they were they were pretty harsh, and uh, some some say that Vlad may have learned to impale enemies from them because the Ottomans were savage. Um, but uh, during these wars, right, the boyars, which were like Romanian and Romanian adjacent warlords, like people from the Baltics in the area there or Balkans, I don't, I don't know geography that well. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> People around Romania, you know, they're warlords, the big boys. They were called the boyars. Okay. And they betrayed Dracul because um, they wanted, in a coup, they wanted to take over, you know. That, that feels very close to home these days, don't it? Uh, and so they, they dragged Dracul out behind his home and killed him in a swamp. Oh. Mm. And uh, his oldest son, uh, Vlad's half brother, Radu was uh, taken, not Radu, uh, Radu was still in, uh, that was uh, Vlad's younger brother. Uh, oh, oh okay. He was a half-brother. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, his, he was tortured, blinded, and buried alive after uh, Vlad the Elder was uh, slaughtered in the swamp. Jesus. Vlad, obviously, was not happy about this <laughs> and vowed revenge, right? Um and the Ottomans let Vlad and Radu leave now that their dad was dead. And they figured, you know, he's busy with the vengeance thing instead. So, you know, there's nothing here for us. Sure. Uh, so they let him what leave. About second vengeance? That's <laughs> on its way. <laughs> We've had first vengeance. Now what about second vengeance? <laughs> yeah. So the guy who basically had taken over from Vlad uh, the Elder now was a man named Vladislav. I know their names are so unique. Um, and he had taken the throne. Vlad uh, went basically and bum rushed his castle. Uh, they forced them back, took over uh, the lands again, uh, Wallachia. Uh, it was not Transylvania. That's that's uh, Bram Stoker invented that. But isn't that, it, it isn't was, that pretty close to your last name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> I, I will not reveal any more info now. Uh, <laughs> No, so Vladislav was forced out of, uh, you know, the throne. Vlad took over. He was quite comfortable for about two seconds until Vladislav came back and took the throne back. And then Vlad did it again. And they were kind of doing a back and forth there for a while until Vlad, uh, it is said that he ended up beheading Vladislav on the battlefield. And that that ended their competition as it would. Um, (laughs) That's pretty badass, though. (laughs) <laughs> it's pretty badass. Uh, I think maybe that's that's that maybe that's uh, partly what inspired the character from the, what is it called Nandu from uh, what we do in the shadows. Oh, Nan- Nandor. <laughs> yeah, Nandor. Yeah, I like him. 
I mean, he is an Ottoman, isn't he? But he his stories like reminds me of Vlad. Um, Nandor, the relentless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so after this, after Vladislav's head had been, you know, separated from his body, Vlad invited all the boyars to a banquet to oh God. Settle, settle the dispute, right? Because they had betrayed his dad and he wanted to get things out in the open. No doubt. And he wanted to kind of bend them to his will. Uh, although some say that he didn't want that at all. He just wanted revenge. But anyways, as the banquet, they still refused uh, him. Like they still resisted his authority. Mm. And so there was a whole red wedding thing where his guards all stabbed every single one of them to death. But not to death, death, but just, you know, out of commission. And then started taking their still living bodies and impaling them on spikes. And this was something he may have learned uh, while being tortured by the Ottomans, they say. Uh, it was definitely like the way he did it made the Ottomans sick. Uh, <laughs> what he did was he took uh, spikes and inserted them into uh, the enemy's anus or vagina if they were women, right? Mm. Uh, and he had the poles rounded off on the top so they wouldn't pierce inner organs. Oh, so Jesus that. Christ. Yeah. So <laughs> that they would take you hours, maybe even days to die like to fully die, right? And it, it was a lengthy process because there was a lot of these boyars, right? But he was so obsessed with the revenge, right? Because they had slaughtered his dad. So, uh, uh, through a betrayal, no less. So he wanted to watch every single one of them die this way. And it took so long that he had to have food delivered to him. And in his courtyard, he would sit there on like a little fucking stool and a table and eat while they were you know being impaled and uh some some people say that he would dip his bread in their blood as a taunt too right uh although that that's like historically that probably happened but there's no fucking proof for it sure. uh, but it's what they say he did yeah and in, anyway the, the, whole, the whole thing has been described as a bloody meal which was later translated to a meal of blood which some say is where vampires get their bloodthirst from <laughs> Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, so basically, he kept doing this to people. Um, and he was just, his brutality, it was not stopping. He was just ramping it up, right? The Pope loved him because he was Bible boy number one, right? As, as I said, the other European rulers wanted no war with the Ottomans. Uh, Vlad kept asking them for help, but they, they were like, they couldn't flat out refuse to help because, you know, it was in the name of Christendom and everything. But they were like, oh, maybe later. Oh, I'm in a tunnel, you know, that kind of stuff. Like they were dodging him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Wallachia was basically in this little pass between Turkey and Europe. So he was essentially in a bottleneck defending Europe against uh, the Ottomans, right? Jeez. And he was a religious loon, so he was not letting anyone pass. Oh, uh, and he was doing it all, all on his own, uh, which you know, is no fucking way he should be able to beat the Ottomans. But in his pass, uh, through ambush warfare and like guerrilla stuff, he was, yeah, he was very dangerous. <laughs> so the, the, the Ottomans, they wanted, of course, to, now that he was the de facto ruler of Wallachia again, right? Uh, they wanted to kind of like, okay, let's mend some, mend some uh, ties with this guy. Uh, they sent some of their diplomats to him and they thought they were going to have an easy time since he had basically grown up under uh, the Sultan, right? 
Let me guess. Uh, he had received an education. He had been taken <laughs> care of. He had been beaten and tortured, but who wasn't? Um, so the diplomats, they were there. They, they received uh, and a warm-ish welcome until Vlad demanded that they would take off their hats, their turbans, right? Mm. Uh, in his presence. Mm. And they refused to for religious reasons because they're not allowed to do that, not supposed to do that. No doubt. And he said he commanded their faith uh, and he wanted to make sure that uh, they would keep their pledge forever. So he had his guards nail their turbans to their skulls so they couldn't remove them. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Obviously, that, that's kind of severed his diplomatic ties with the Ottomans. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, the guy was like King Joffrey in some ways, honestly. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't, it, it sounds like past the, the point of vengeance and more into where, where it's, I imagine he was getting some glee out of it. I, yeah, I think, I think he was a bit of a sadist. I mean, uh, from <laughs> his upbringing and everything, he was probably just getting joy out of fucking harming people. Uh, but that's like, it's not even the worst. Because, uh, of course, uh, the Sultan, Mehmed, right? He would start sending uh, armies towards Wallachia to deal with this, because it's a huge insult. Like, not just to fucking his personal diplomats, but to his whole religion, right? Yeah, because now, now he's not just not, now he's not just killed a couple of diplomats. Now he's basically said, well, I'm taking the thing that you hold dear and spitting on it. Yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was a full-on... At, at this point, it was just blasphemy, right? Uh, mm. And like, it sounds like I'm painting the Sultan as like the good guy in this situation, and he was not a good guy. He was a savage fucking man. He was so brutal to his enemies. But compared to Vlad, it's like 40k. You know, it's just shades of evil. He was he was just very mild mannered compared to Vlad. Uh, and he was shocked by the rotting corpses of like twenty three thousand. Ottomans when he later arrived towards the borders of Blakia for 60 miles of like road uh, between Turkey and Wallachia there was just 23,000 rotting impaled Ottomans along the road Jesus Christ it was a road of terror and like Vlad had like it wasn't just like impaling soldiers he impaled like he killed 80,000 Ottomans in his wars uh, and about like 60,000 of those were like, you know, civilians and warriors killed while uh, over 20,000 were just killed through this horrible, horrible form of impalement. Oh my God. And it was not just soldiers, like women, anyone, children, whatever, anyone who was in the area, any Ottoman in the area when they were doing impalements. Yeah. And like he would, like their soldiers would of uh, male soldiers and display them on like little lines, like threads between the poles and stuff like that. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, just just to add like the horror effect. Because his whole thing was like, yeah, I can't beat them in a war, but I can beat them with ambush and terror. Right? Uh, yeah. It's like, think about Batman if Batman was like in like one of those evil universes that the comic books does sometimes. Right? And he had a nation. Well, uh, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's just yeah. I don't even compare Batman to it because that that almost almost sounds like it's a good thing. Right. Batman's supposed to be a good guy, but yeah, Vlad, Vlad <laughs> was a Vlad was a brute. 
I mean, uh, Mehmed the second, I know a little bit about him. I know because yeah. he, he, I mean, he, he, and he was inheriting four, four, five centuries, four or five centuries of crusades. I mean, the ninth crusade, the, the last like official crusade ended in the 13th century. But by yeah. the time, uh, by the time Mehmed the second was in power during the 15th century, there were still crusaders like flowing down and attacking, you know, and so Mehmed was was like a was a violent, very successful conqueror. But I also like feel for the position that he yeah, and I mean, some his, of his predecessors his, were in. His 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 savagery comes uh, is born out of necessity, right? Yeah. Uh, Vlad is like like you could I guess you could argue the necessity too, but good God, proportions, man. Yeah. Uh, Vlad is Vlad is like you're playing the monopoly with somebody. And you find yeah. out they just stole fifty from the bank as the banker, and you set the board on fire and punch him in the face. Like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> blood was blood was unstable, right? Uh, but he was yeah. He, at some point, because the Ottomans they eventually just kind of stopped attacking. Right? It was just not fucking worth it. it. It was just too emotionally fucking exhausting. Like the people who came back from seeing that road, they weren't the same. And uh, so the attacks kind of like, there was still a war, but, you know, it, it was, it calmed down. Uh, but the Hungarians eventually thought that, uh, you know, actually, I think I found a quote. I had a quote that Mehmed said that was interesting about this. Uh, let me find it. This is one of the few notes I've ever done because I thought this quote was great. <laughs> okay, here, here, here. So... Mehmed said, how can we despoil of his estates a man who is not afraid to defend it by such means as these? Mehmed said, deciding that anyone willing to go to such lengths to save his kingdom deserved to keep it. The Ottoman forces retreated the next day. Jeez. Yeah. It was like basically just that that fucking road of horror was just like, okay, you know what? It's fine. Keep it. You know, I don't don't want Europe anyway. I wonder, like, walking down that road, if you're just staring at this total atrocity. I mean, just like the most god-awful thing that you'll probably see in your lifetime, easily. It's like something the chaos gods would, like, hire. That is some Warhammer shit. Like, that's, that, is. that is as grim dark as it gets. <laughs> it is. It's, it's almost over the top for Warhammer, I feel. <laughs> it's almost, almost depends what faction you're talking, but, but certainly. Yeah, it really does. You know, I don't see Reichland doing anything like that. Good. I don't see the vampire counts doing anything like that. Even Vlad, Vlad, who is named after Vlad the Impaler, was yeah. actually semi decent toward his human subjects. Yeah, I mean, for a vampire at least, right? For for it was vampire. better than some of the Electro counts too. It was certainly better than his father-in-law. Yeah, I mean, there there were there were humans that were noted as wanting to live under Vlad's rule as opposed to like Averheim. Oh yeah, yeah, and- it was. <laughs> uh... As long as Vlad was in in hiding, like when he was still pretending to be a man, right? Yeah. Uh, it was it was like it was quite popular. It was quite popular. I yeah. mean, even after even afterwards, he was a, he was people just they were more nervous. A um, lot more. I mean, because you could get randomly just. Yeah, I mean, instead of taxes, you know, you would be you'd be sent to a feast. 
So, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, my daughter, she's a, a fresh, healthy virgin. Oh, that's terrific. That's your text for this uh, year, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get knocked up. Do something. Go. Yeah. Just go, 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 go out and get fucked before you really get fucked. You know? <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, so uh, the sultan, he decided that, okay, enough is enough. Europe is not that cool. It's fine, you know. Uh, but the Europeans... They didn't like Vlad either because they had, you know, they had kind of been like, well, I don't really want to join you. I might join you. I don't know. Let's see what happens, right? And they were nervous now because Vlad was such a fucking monster. And they had basically kind of like uh, not betrayed him, but they had essentially fucking uh, ditched him when they were kind of pledged to aid him, right? Yeah. And so they were like, oh, oh, God, what do we do now? What do we do now? And the Hungarians, uh, quote, arrested him and imprisoned Vlad for, like, I don't remember the charges, but it was essentially for the war crimes, right? Yeah. And they put his brother, Radu, the the mild-mannered little Radu, in charge of Wallachia instead. Oh. uh, Because they thought he would be a much, much kinder ruler, and he was. Uh, But in the years of imprisonment... It's a low bar to clear, though. I mean... Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could be Joffrey and you'd still be better than Vlad, right? <laughs> but in, in the years of imprisonment, something happened and the king of Hungary, Matthias Corvinus, the Raven King, right? Mm-hmm. He uh, decided that he would restore Vlad to power, suspiciously after Vlad married a relative of his. So this is probably some game by Matyboy to kind of gain control of both nations long term, right? Yeah. Uh, fun fact about Matthias, uh, Matthias, he he created the Black Army. That's what he's famous for. What, what's the Black Army? The Black Army was Europe's first professional standing army. Oh, well, that's yeah. Cool. They not levies. They were trained troops uh, that were paid and supplied by the king himself. Just just to, just to do fighting stuff. Just to do fighting stuff. That's like their whole thing. Gotcha. It was the first professional standing army of Europe. And uh, it made him very strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so he had uh, Vlad marry, uh, I don't know, his cousin or something, uh, some woman uh, that was a relative. And uh, he then he reinstated Vlad uh, instead of Radu, right? In, in, in Wallachia? Yeah, in Wallachia. Okay. And, uh, both uh, Matthias and Vlad decided to fight the Ottomans because Matthias had kind of gotten on board with the whole idea. Um, but uh, Vlad was not as efficient on, like he was a strong fighter, but he was not as efficient in full-on warfare as he was defending his little fucking pass, right? Sure. So he he did die in battle against the Ottomans. And while his, there's no we don't, we don't really have a confirmed thing on where he's buried. There's like two different churches in the area he could be buried in. Uh, but his head is said to have been paraded back to Constantinople and placed in the hands of Sultan Mehmed II. <laughs> oh. And that, that is kind of a legend that that happened. But, I mean, people have no reason to doubt it, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's like there's no hard evidence for it, but it's it, it said. People assume it's the truth. And I think that's kind of sad and beautiful at the same time because the Sultan essentially raised this boy. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, we didn't I, raise him, raise him. He was a hostage, but you know, he knew him as a child. Kind of like a hostile ward or something. Yeah, yeah, like Theon Greyjoy, kind of, but yeah. with more beatings. With more, with more beatings, and, and apparently witness to a bunch of impalings too. Yeah, and I, I think always... it's interesting with Vlad and Saladin because they are both kind of the same at the same time. Like it's it's like a dark side. Like Vlad is the like they're both the same character, but Saladin is the noble one and Vlad is the dark one because they both they're both defending their homeland and their religion from an invading force, right? Yeah. And they're both extremely effective. They both have a very interesting backstory. Uh, they're both well-educated. I mean, any general at the time was. But they, they have many similarities. Although I would say that their, their humors are very different. <laughs> <laughs> Saladin is more like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to give my gold to the poor and let the people leave the land peacefully. While Vlad is like, I'm keeping the gold and I'm letting the people hang peacefully on the road to hell. <laughs> but yeah, it is, it is, uh, it, it's interesting to me, the whole thing. It's, Mehmed, I've always wondered what it would be like to be a parent who, whose kid grows up to be a serial killer. Oh God, yeah. You know, like my, my uncle. He was such a mild-mannered boy. <laughs> <laughs> my my uncle was a tennis teacher before he became a doctor and he's he had uh he taught jeffrey dahmer's parents how to play tennis really yeah well yeah. jeffrey dahmer wasn't that ages ago how old is your uncle he's in his 60s or 70s i don't know i'm not really sure when was uh, when was the jeffrey dahmer thing i thought that was like uh black and white days the 60s yeah. um let's see was he was your uncle particularly young when he taught his parents? Was he like a, a hot tennis coach that were doing Dahmer's mom? I think I, I actually don't know the details. I never asked him about it. It's like, hey, Uncle Ellie, what did you how did the uh, Dahmer thing go down? But maybe I should. <laughs> so Jeffrey Dahmer was he died in nineteen ninety four. It looks like it looks like he so yeah, it, it lines up because. Jeffrey Dahmer was active until 1991, and my uncle got his medical license in 92, I think. So oh. he would have been, and, and he was teaching them like in the late 80s. And it was before. So he would have gotten his license two years before he accidentally gave Dahmer an overdose. Well, it, it, was, his, it, was, his, it was his parents. I mean. No, I, I'm joking. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think your brother killed Dahmer. <laughs> My brother, uncle. Yeah. I mean, I, if I was your uncle, I would say I did. Like cheeky, <laughs> like you know, you can't can't prosecute me for it. Kind of say it, but you know. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, the family moved to Ohio in 1966, and yeah, I don't know. I'll have to ask him more about it. But he, he had. My mom said that she saw a check one time that they had written him or, or like, you know. That's so cool. I mean, it's... I, mean, I don't want you to impose on your uncle or anything, but I mean, if he'd be interested in talking about it on an episode, that could be really cool. Like story time with uh, Uncle Jeremy. <laughs> with Jeremy's uncle. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I don't know his name, so it's Jeremy until he tells me otherwise. I, if, if I was going to ask him for his time, I'd probably ask him to do something else. 
medically related. He's, he's a very no, accomplished but... doctor. And well, then we could ask him about the Dahmer stuff at the end. Be like, so, you know, now that we're talking about the human body, let's uh, talk about eating it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, which parts taste the best? Uh, can you season a spleen? <laughs> well, he, I don't think he spoke to the parents after, after he, the, the son was arrested. So I don't think he ever really got their feedback on it. But I've always wondered, like, you had mentioned that Mehmed II had essentially raised Vlad. And... It just kind of makes me wonder what do what goes through parents' heads when they find out like their kid is an absolute fucking monster. I mean, you got to deflect a lot, I think. Otherwise, your day is ruined. I mean, I think a lot of guilt would go with that. You know, like what did yeah, I? Like, do? Oh, why did I keep <laughs> buying him bunnies after the first one? Oh no! He's like, yeah, you just fed this thing. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I'd probably just. I definitely wouldn't write a parenting book. <laughs> I might write a parenting book then because I think it would have a unique appeal. <laughs> <laughs> I would fill a certain niche that I think was unfilled. Well, it, it would be tough to write because if, if I ever wrote a, a parenting book, I always thought about writing a book called Rearing a Patriot and just make it a really flippant sort of joke book. But you can't really do that if your kid, if your kid's a serial killer because then certainly not as famous a serial killer right because if they're a serial killer you make light of it. you're making light of the the victims and, and so you know isn't that annoying though that you can't even make light of your own serial killer son these days political correctness <laughs> gone mad it's gone way <laughs> overboard <laughs> there's always some victim just sitting there being all victimized oh, <laughs> comedy is dying yeah it's the same as uh, it used to be can't even poke fun of the dead he ate <laughs> since, since when since when have we not been able to walk out on stage on blackface and do a cakewalk <laughs> yeah i can make fun of cows all day but my son has eaten several of those double standard i say <laughs> oh god yeah yeah oh. I don't know. I don't know what's going through my the head, the second's head, but yeah, there there's a fine line to thread between, uh, you know, keeping your freedom of speech and also just having some goddamn taste. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I that that's and that's the thing is is especially when when comedy comes up, I'm you know, usually I mean there are there are a lot of comics who still talk about race. It's just they're not insensitive about it. They're funny. They're funny. Yeah. And people are like, well, where do you draw the line with comedy? It's like, well, when people stop laughing. Like if, yeah, you basically. Have, if you don't have the tact and humor to write good jokes, then that's your own damn fault. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a massive difference between like uh quote racist joke and uh racist statement. And there's no quote on the last racist. Well, I think I think if you have a racist joke and a racist statement, they're both racist. But if you have a joke that talks, you can have a joke that talks about race without being racist. You can use you can have a racist joke that is more unifying and healing. You know, like kind of like you know Chris Rock. He has a lot of racist jokes. But but see, once once they're not distasteful, they're not distasteful. Once you do that, they're not racist though. It's about race, but it doesn't. That's yeah, but you know, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Like the joke is making the joke is making fun of a race, but it is not. It's it's not. Uh, it's not discriminatory. It's not like, yeah, it's not saying this race sucks ass. 
yeah. you know, it's not like a statement that's just meant to shit on someone, right? Yeah. It's meant to be like, Haha, isn't it funny how those people are different and these people are different? Uh, yeah. And then we all get along, even though we have our friction, you know? Right. That's and once like, you've that, done that's that. Like, that's true. So everyone can laugh at it because they feel it. But it's right. got to be in the, it, your heart's got to be in the right place. And you've got to have some fucking grace. You got you got to have tact, and you you got to. And, and I think yeah, once tact. you do that, you move, you you move beyond the racism. Yeah. Because because the racism is is either punching down or making fun of someone or or indulging in stereotypes or doing some other like class, classless thing that that that. Is you're doing something. Harmful. You're doing something as a as a statement. You might hide it behind a joke that you're the only one laughing at. Right. But yeah. the whole, your your intent is to to diss someone and to elevate yourself. Yes. Or maybe not. Maybe you don't even want to elevate yourself. Maybe you just want to diss someone. I I I, I don't know. People have confidence issues. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, uh, do you have anything else you wanted to say about this? Uh, no, no. I, uh, I felt we got this. It's probably a lot of stuff we either got wrong or didn't cover at all. But yeah, Saladin and Vlad, you know, the two sides of the same coin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one coin has a lot more blood on it than the other. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one definitely, side. definitely light and dark there. That's yeah. <laughs> first half is all these nice accomplishments and all this, all this, you know. Yeah noble warfare like, and the second half is like well i'm gonna shove this rod this this 10 foot pole up your anus and yeah yeah yeah. let me shove a spike up your pussy and watch you die oh god yeah oh god i i mean like because they rounded it off intentionally so it wouldn't pierce organs right so that they would live but your guts are still kind of coiling Who's doing, so who's it's still, it's still doing a fucking damage. Like there's no, there's no, like, even if it takes you three days to die from that, it's not like if they take you off half an hour afterwards, you can still be saved. You know? <laughs> right. yeah. It's like once they put you on that pole, you're already dead. They're just intentionally making sure it takes forever. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause even if you're like, here, I'm going to get you down and oh, your insides have been all reoriented and you're bleeding. Yeah. yeah. It's like they, <laughs> you, your guts are stretched. Some are torn. Also there's uh, you know, the pole is probably quite big. So there's going to be some vacuuming when you pull off the person dragging all their guts out with them. Oh, I mean, I'm not a biologist, but I just feel like that would happen. Plus, you know, infection hemorrhaging. I, I think infection at this point is just your last problem. It's it's infection, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like you're 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 you'd be grateful for an infection. Okay, you wouldn't be grateful for an infection. That's bullshit. But you know, it's it's not it's not the big like your whole insides being like just shoved around like a putty in a glove by a guy who's in rush to put on his gloves. That'd be a question a for a doctor. Example. Would you it's be grateful? Yeah. Yeah, do we really need to tell people more details about like impalement? Should we just call it? Uh, I mean, maybe what we should do is research it. We should look it up and figure out exactly what's happening to the body at all stages and then to describe it in explicit detail. In our next special episode, which contains video footage. <laughs> well, the links, all of these links will be taken down. So be sure you're timely. Yeah, the links will be taken down immediately the second the FBI gets to know about them. It's like, because, you know, 
<laughs> are volunteers for the experiment. They they wasn't so voluntary, and if, it doesn't even matter if it was because it's illegal as hell. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. A couple of John Doe's. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this has been Moot. Please follow us on Twitter at the Moot Podcast or visit us at our Moot subreddit. And uh, don't think less of us for this episode. <laughs> or do you know? We don't care. That's whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just just you know, write your comments. Be kind and. Um, and yeah, you know, happy, happy day. Happy day. Make sure you shop for Mother's Day. You know, that's <laughs> by, the time, by the time this episode launches. Get her a nice get... rounded off pole. <laughs> no. Well, that's actually called something else. I don't think it's called a, a steak. Though. It really depends on the size. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think if you're describing it as a pole, though, it's probably... Yeah, and the, sec- the second you put it up alongside the highway to your home, it's different. If you can, if you can hang traffic lights off of it, it's it's too big. Yeah, traffic lights, ottomans, anything you can hang off a pole. <laughs> All right, peace out, guys. Peace out.